0: Would you please join me in a spirit of meditation? Maybe you'll remember this ancient teaching story. I've shared it with you before. It goes to the heart of our service today. It's told of the Rabbi Pinchas Yair, who lived some 2,000 years ago. His students gathered around his feet. He asks them, How do you know when the night has ended and the day has begun? Is it when it's light enough to tell a dog from a sheep, one asks? No. Is it when you can tell a date palm from a fig tree, asks another? No, that's not it either. Well, then what is it, they all chorus. It's the moment when we can look into the face of any person and recognize them as a brother or sister, said the rabbi. Until we're able to do that, it's still night for us. And I ask, do we not face this question every day of our lives? We know what's right. Surely it's what we grew up with and are comfortable with, and then we see someone who looks so different. Sounds so different. Whose skin is a different color. Whose religion is so strange. That woman who holds hands with another woman. The man who wears dresses and makeup. These people, surely these people, can't be normal. They just don't belong here. In my neighborhood, around my children, in my church. Do they? Why can't they just go away? They just make me so uncomfortable. When does the day begin for you and me? How far we've come. Is there no end to these demands for change? To this stretching, this searching of our conscience? Aren't we almost there yet? My friends, our journey may have no end. It may have no end, and yet along the way the sun inches out from the night by degrees, and the light comes, sometimes imperceptibly, but sometimes quite dramatically. This week has seen a burst of light, and we have cause to celebrate. For over our heads there's unmistakably music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. Let's join our voices, then, as we... Stand in body or spirit and sing that joyous song. It is number 30 in the hymnal, but I don't think you'll need your hymnals. I'll line out the one word that changes with each verse over my head.
1: music in the air over my head singing in the air. See angels in the the air.
2: seated this has been so much fun putting this service together I've been smiling for the last several days when we decided we were just gonna scrap the service we had planned and I said John it'll write itself well didn't quite write itself but in 1967 I look around how many of you well should I ask how many of you were born in 1967 or before, or before, yeah, or before. Okay, all right. Um, Mildred Loving. Does that name ring a bell? Mildred Loving? I love the name Loving, right? She was a mixed-race Native American, an African-American, and her husband Richard, a Caucasian, challenged Virginia's so-called, and you'll love this name, racial integrity law. Isn't that, doesn't that make your stomach churn? Racial integrity law, which prohibited people from different races from marrying. Forty years after that decision, Mildred Loving spoke of the basic right of all loving couples to marry, regardless of race or sexual orientation. And she said, Richard and I made a commitment to each other in our love and our lives and now had the legal commitment called marriage to match. Isn't that what marriage is? Surrounded as I now am by wonderful children and grandchildren, not a day goes by that I don't think of Richard and of our love, our right to marry, and how much it meant to me to have that freedom to marry the person precious to me even if others thought he was the wrong kind of person for me to marry. I believe all Americans, all Americans, no matter their race, no matter their sex, no matter their sexual orientation, should have that same freedom to marry. Government has no business imposing some people's religious beliefs over others, especially if it denies civil rights I am proud, Mildred Loving wrote or spoke. I am proud that Richards and my name is on a court case that can help reinforce the love, the commitment, the fairness, and the family that so many people, black or white, young or old, gay or straight, seek in life. I support the freedom to marry for all. That's what Loving and Loving are all about.
0: It was in 1939 that Mildred Jeter, part Rappahannock Indian, part Cherokee, and part African American, was born in rural Caroline County, Virginia. In the years after World War II, she met a local boy named Richard Loving, they fell in love, but Richard was white. They couldn't get married in Virginia or any of 15 other states with laws against so-called miscegenation, even Maryland. So when she was 18, they went up to the District of Columbia to marry and then came back home. A few weeks later, at 2 o'clock in the morning of July eleventh, 1958, the sheriff burst into their bedroom with two deputies and said, who is that woman you're sleeping with? Mildred answered, I'm his wife. You see that marriage certificate on the wall? He said, that's no good here. Took them off to jail. In Virginia, the law required that you be pure white to marry another white. This meant that if challenged, you had to show that you had only white ancestors going back not five years, not ten years, not one generation, not two, but to 1684. In sentencing them to a year in jail, the judge declared, Almighty God created the races white, black, yellow, melee, and red, and he placed them on separate continents. And but for interference with his arrangements, there would be no cause for such marriages. The fact that he separated the races shows that he did not intend for the races to mix. Faced with a one-year prison sentence, Richard and Mildred uh, agreed to a plea bargain, but it required them to leave Virginia and not return together for at least 25 years. They moved to Washington, but found themselves miserable in the city. They were country people. They missed their families. They didn't have much money, but the American Civil Liberties Union agreed to take their case. In 1967, the U.S. Supreme Court, in a famous decision called Loving versus Virginia, unanimously held that bans on interracial marriage are unconstitutional.
2: Just eight years ago, eight years ago, Virginia voters ratified an amendment to Virginia's Constitution that was reminiscent of the law that the Lovings fought. Most of you here today, I suspect, voted not for that amendment, but on that amendment. Some of you doubtless worked for its defeat and were crushed when it was uh, adopted But the Marshall-Newman Amendment passed. It banned same-sex marriage in Virginia and refused to recognize such marriages conducted in other states. The amendment also invalidated contracts intended to approximate, approximate any of the benefits of marriage. What this language meant was far from clear, but it appeared that loving partners could not name each other as their power of attorney and could not protect their own interests in the house they jointly owned if the other died. Adoptions of children by same-sex couples were at risk. Same-sex couples began to move to to other, began to leave Virginia. I, I remember that time. John and I were in Maryland, and we personally knew of three such couples. I mean, just the two of us. There were, there were two of them who moved to Baltimore and joined our church. Wonderful couples. Guess who's coming to dinner, couples. How many of you know what that reference means? Okay, most of you do. Well-educated couples, employed, loving parents. One of them was even a career soldier who defended our country. They became leaders in our church. On the board, one of them became board chair. Singers in the choir, re-teachers. Virginia's lost, Maryland's gained, we declared. Last year, two Virginia couples who didn't want to move to D.C. or Maryland or Massachusetts or any other of the 19 states that love same-sex marriage dug in their heels and said, Virginia is our home and we are not leaving. Those couples filed such a suit in federal court. A gay couple challenged the denial of a wedding license to them. And two women, long a couple, in Chesterfield County, challenged Virginia's ban on recognizing their California marriage. I mean, they'd gotten married, but this was their home. <laughs> That's right. clinics <laughs> are... Well, maybe. I mean, I'm going to cry, so... <laughs> The District Court Arenda Wright Allen, and if you ever have a chance to read her opinion, her opinion is a wonderful opinion. Powerful, eloquent, ruled in favor of those two couples last winter. Against the background of four centuries of repressive laws of one uh, against one group or another, the one, I, the one I appreciated most was the one around the 1920s, where they prohibited couples that had some kind of disability, mental, physical, from getting married until after they had passed the child-bearing age. So, so much for saying that the laws were all about procreation. Thank you very much. Um, so, against that background, the moral arc of the Virginia's legal system was long indeed. But in the end... On October 6, 2014, it bent toward justice. Still, loving, well, actually, no, that's, that's not, that's, that's the date when it finally happened. Um, before that, when the district court opinion came down, still, loving couples had to wait for her decision to go through the, the next appellate the court, the Fourth Circuit Court, where it was upheld in August. Still, I remember all of us, you know, well, should we go down to the courthouse? They're going to get married. No, no, no. Supreme Court's going to issue a stay. So the wait continued while the Supreme Court considered its options.
0: In the meantime, we want you to know that this church was part of that historic process. Your board voted on this matter, recognizing that this entire congregation had earlier voted to become a welcoming congregation. As a result, you can tell your children and your grandchildren that one day you as a member of this congregation and we as your ministers signed onto an amicus or friend of the court brief to support the lower court's decision. UUCL's name and our two individual names are among those on that brief. You can see, you can Google that brief and see our names and our signatures and UUCL's signature on your behalf. This action becomes part of the history of this congregation, a part of your history. You can be proud of it. But the waiting continued. We expected that it would be months before a Supreme Court decision came down, That court, as all of us know, is a deeply divided court. The court, without reviewing the case, however, surprised us. That morning of October 6, and the date I think is worth remembering, I was reading my email when I just noticed the title of one of them had to do with the Supreme Court acting, something to do with same-sex marriage. And sure enough, we huddled, we searched that email, we traced down the links and we learned that the court without reviewing the case had decided to let the lower court, the appellate court decision stand. Licenses could be issued immediately, this very afternoon.
2: I didn't believe it. (laughs) I thought they'd have to spend time changing their forms and...
0: They changed the forms electronically, real quick. So that's what so
2: surprised by joy is not strong enough. We were shocked by joy. We wept, we laughed, but we exchanged emails with our colleagues and with people of faith for equality in Virginia to be sure we understood that this was, this was really, really happening now. That now, this day. So John and I were trying to decide what to do next. We'd heard that the clerk of the court in, in Loudoun County in, in, uh, in Leesburg was hostile. Would it be helpful for us to go down and show our support? We decided to go down to to, uh, offer moral support to couples seeking licenses in case they met with uh, an unpleasant response and to be ready to marry anybody who wanted to seize the day. As the struggle for marriage rights across the country has often been stop and go and stop again, couples have learned to act quickly lest their new right to marry be snatched away john and i don't usually offer off the shelf marriage services. <laughs> we usually meet with a couple a couple of times we 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 put together a a personal service, but I said, John, John, can you put together a short ceremony so we got her stuff and he's he's wor- uh, you know working away cutting and pasting and and I called tamar your your president, and uh, told her what we were going to do and learned that she and Sandy were considering applying for a Virginia license. After all, why couldn't they get married in their home state? They would meet us at the courthouse. It was a beautiful day. It was a gorgeous day. It felt like the sun god had indeed stopped the world and was shining down on us. As it turned out, the courthouse people could not have been more cooperative. One couple got the word that morning of the Supreme Court's decision and decided to get married that day. They went on Facebook and sent the word out to all of their friends and family, we're getting married. Surprised by joy, 30 people put their lives on hold, left their jobs, got babysitters for the kids, and showed up to be witnesses. We chatted with a second couple who'd been engaged for a year and a half, and one of them had left her job without telling anyone. She just got up and left. <laughs> Surprised by joy, they too dropped everything to get their license on that historic first day. So we're talking, and Sandy and Tamar there, and we're talking. They, they go off, and they come back. They've huddled, and they say, We want to get married right now. Would you marry us? <laughs> now, right Now.
0: And so it went. But this is not the end of the struggle for fairness. In Maryland, we fought for many years for protection for lesbians and gays in housing and in the workplace. Maryland had passed those laws before it ever took up same-sex marriage. But in Virginia, people can still be fired if they put a picture of their same-sex spouse on their desks. And their new employer, their employer, finds out that they're gay. Same-sex couples, if a landlord finds out, can be evicted from their apartments. There may be other rights as well that aren't resolved by this decision on marriage, or that will be resisted for decades to come, even though the law is cleared. It is still an act of courage, and sometimes downright foolhardy, to come out as gay in Virginia. One small thing that has changed affects the two of us. As many of you know, in recent years we have refused to, form, to perform weddings for anyone in Virginia or any other state where couples may not freely wed. With the Supreme Court decision, we now joyously return to doing so. But we will continue to work for basic fairness for everyone. Let us then take today to celebrate, but tomorrow let us return to work. What might this work ask of us? We learned last week that the members of one congregation, the Dumbarton United Methodist Church in Georgetown, D.C., part of a global denomination that still does not allow gay clergy or gay marriage, are supporting their clergy in disobeying that prohibition. The congregation offers their church building and their ministers free, as we understand it, to people who have to travel to D.C. to marry in a place that recognizes such marriages. Now they went through this decision quite a long time ago when marriage first became legal in D.C. Their members have offered to step forward to witness for them as a church family for couples who might otherwise be alone at such a time. We in our faith are so fortunate. We face no risk to ourselves as clergy or to our standing as a congregation in supporting such marriages, and that has been so for many years. But what more can we do? We plan to offer a statement of welcome and joy prominently on our website. We could offer our sanctuary, this beautiful historic sanctuary, once a home to freed slaves who knew personally the sting of inequality as a place for small same sex weddings, free of charge, at least for a period of time. We are talking with people of faith for equality in Virginia about having another witness at the courthouse this coming Valentine's Day. This time celebrating our new freedom to marry, maybe with a public wedding ceremony. And surely, Equality Virginia and other allies will be asking our support in working on the important legislative issues that remain as the legislature reconvenes this January in Richmond. But before even that, we need to vote. Two weeks from now, every single one of us. Take along that new voter ID that our friends in Richmond have now required, lest we commit some kind of fraud. Then vote for candidates that will support fairness. We need to meet with our legislators. Write letters, lobby, witness... Witness for jobs, witness for housing, witness for fairness for all, including our transgender brothers and sisters. Will you
2: join us? In closing her powerful opinion in the Bostic case, that was the case that started this march toward marriage for all in Virginia, Judge Wright Allen recalled that Almost 150 years ago, as Abraham Lincoln approached a cataclysmic rending of our nation over a struggle for other freedoms, a rending that would take his life and the lives of hundreds of thousands of others, he wrote these words. It cannot have failed to strike you that these men asked for just the same thing, fairness. And fairness only. This, so far as it is in my power, they and all others shall have. And Judge Wright Allen then added The men and women and children, too, whose voices join in noble harmony with plaintiffs today, also ask for fairness and fairness only. This, so far as it is in this court's power, they and all others shall have. This, my friends, is our religious duty, insofar as it is in our power to stand or sit or walk or write letters on the side of fairness, on the side of a greater love that sees the divinity in all people, whatever their race, whatever their creed, whomever they love. Come. Let us celebrate. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Let us take another step toward justice.